Father, first I want to give you thanks for those who participated in VBS, how they have sacrificed their time, their efforts, their resources, uh, Lord, all to make sure that these children have a memory of what it is to follow Jesus Christ. We ask that the memories that were made this last week would be indelible. They would not be removed from their minds and those children who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Father, may you protect them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And may they grow in their faith. And Father, we ask that for ourselves this morning, that as we get into your word, that you would cause us to grow in our faith. Help us to be more committed to you. Help us to die to the things of the world and the things of self. And we thank you for the opportunities that you give us. And we ask that you would help us to actually apprehend them take advantage of them, and fall in line with what your will and purpose is for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, going through the book of Hebrews, we have covered at least three, uh, briefly the third one, three of the five warnings in the book of Hebrews. The first one is the danger of drifting. The second one is the danger of not entering into the rest where you doubt Uh, Do I really not have to do anything to earn my salvation? And remember, this was written to the Jews, and the the Jews had in mind that they had to accomplish certain things for the Lord because they were so used to following the law and the Mosaic Covenant. And in chapters 5 and 6, we're dealing with the danger of not going on to maturity. Now, I covered this somewhat last week, but in the last time we were together, we need to expand on what we had this last time it boiled down to a mature believer who loves god and their neighbor as themselves this is what a mature believer looks like if you put those two commandments up there if an individual is following those two commandments then they are a mature disciple it's just in the defining of what those two commandments are working out in our lives. As Philippians chapter 2 says, we are to consider others better than ourselves. This idea of loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves means we have to die to ourselves. And so we have a scriptural basis for that. But also we looked at the mature as opposed to the infant and milk as opposed to meat. It is understood that a mature person will be able to handle meat, but no longer needs milk. It is also understood that an infant would be harmed by the consuming of meat. Now, we all know, or most of us know, Elizabeth in here just had a little baby girl, and if her husband was out there cooking up a filet mignon on the barbecue and brought it into the baby, it would do the baby no good whatsoever. The baby needs milk. Those who are still in infancy in their Christian walk need milk. Now, milk is going to be defined here. And, you know, the author of Hebrews, he offers a lament. Those that should be mature are not, but have to be reminded all over again about the elementary truths of God's word. In other words, there are people in the Christian church universal who have been Christians for years and they don't understand basic doctrine and salvation. They simply know, yeah, I go to church, I read my Bible every day, but I lack understanding. And God wants us to have understanding on a variety of subjects. Those who should be mature are not, but they have 
to be reminded all over again. And we, when we do this, when we look at this, we want to make sure that we're doing a self-examination. If we are mature, if we feel we are mature, we need to continue to exercise the regimen that brought us to maturity. Those things that are involved in scripture that says we need to be in fellowship, we need to memorize scripture and be involved in uh, obtaining or apprehending the apostles' doctrine. We need to be involved in uh, you know, receiving communion, the fellowship of the saints. All of those things are important. Attending church, you know, scripture says that we're supposed to not forsake the gathering together, the brethren, as is the habit of some. And if we are still an infant, and as we do this self-examination, you will be able to determine, are you an infant or are you mature? If you're an infant, you need to execute a plan to grow. It's as if you're at work, you have a plan at work, you have a goal, you have a certain thing to accomplish. If somebody was in the manufacturing field, they may have to put together widgets or what are those fidget spinners or whatever they are, you know, how many of those things are like the most popular item out there for the last six months or a year. Somebody has to put those together and they're just doing their job. They're pressing the little um, bearings in there and then they put them in a pile and they probably do a thousand a day and that's just their job. Well, it's like that in Christianity too. We read every day, we pray every day, we make sure that we're involved in getting good at what we do. There was a recent video that I saw about somebody from China who decided to see what it was like to work in an apple factory and he had one job all day, every day, seven days a week and it was putting one screw in the phone. That's it. He would just grab one screw put it in there, move it to the next one, one screw, put it in there. How good do you think he got it putting in that screw? He said he would do up to 1,500 a day. He got really good. And if uh, there were some problems if he didn't meet a quota, but you know, he got really good. Now imagine if you handled the word of God like that every day, how good would you be? You know, it's like a swordsman. How does the swordsman get good? He uses the sword. Every single day has to practice with it. And so if we are matured, let's just continue on that road to maturity. If we're infants, let's execute a plan to grow. And that is the purpose of this church. It is to produce mature believers. Some churches, their goal is to plant churches. I don't believe that's a biblical goal. The biblical goal is to make disciples. Class, what book is that in where it says... Go ye therefore and make disciples. It's in the book of Matthew. It says that's to be, it's called the great commission. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 19. We are supposed to make sure we are making disciples. And the job of making disciples is similar to raising children. When you raise children, sometimes the children are not going to be obedient. Sometimes they're just going to blow it. Sometimes they're just going to be, as my wife would say, a little pill, you know, and other times they're just as sweet as can be. And they have that pure love, especially somebody who just gets saved. They have this pure love that is on the inside and you don't want to douse that in any way. You want to make sure that they're growing and maturing in their faith. And so we need to make sure that as a church, we're involved in that. Everything is geared towards that. We first have to get them saved. That's why we have a VBS. We get the kids here. We give them the gospel. They understand what it is. They find out about things like 
Noah's Ark. What is Noah's Ark? You know, and Abraham, and who is Abraham, and King David, and Solomon, and all of those different Bible stories, and Jonah, and the fish that swallowed him up. All of these things are just stories, but there's meaning behind those stories. What is God actually trying to say? When you read the Bible, sometimes metaphor is used, similitudes are used, sometimes it's poetry, and sometimes it can be opaque trying to get the understanding, and you need somebody to come along and explain what those things mean. I can remember specific times, and those who took the time to disciple me, I would go to them and say, what does the Bible mean by this? And they would set me down and say, this is what it means. And I am so grateful to those people that they took the time and did that with me. And that is to be our job and pass it on to the next generation. So this is God's will for us, that we become disciples and that we arrive to full maturity. James 1, 4 says, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything in other words it's god's will that we grow up in the faith that we get taller that we become more mature that we are able to explain to other people the truths of god and not only that but we put some shoe leather to our faith colossians 4:12 says talks about Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus. He sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. That's where we need to move everybody to where they are mature and fully assured. Now, the mature person lacks nothing in their spiritual life. They can be autonomous. Now, Scripture does declare that we're to be involved in fellowship. And so if somebody wants to say, I don't need a church, that's just heresy. That's God would not have that. God would have us involved in the church. Of course, he would have us involved in a perfect church, right? Which there is no perfect church. There is not one single person who is perfect, nor is there one single church who is perfect. We have to determine that we're going to be involved. Whatever church we go to, the church has to be Bible teaching. That's where, you know, I disagree with the topicals. Topicals, they have their place and they're good from time to time. But as far as just devouring God's word, it's like, it's like an animal who eats oats or alfalfa or hay. You know, they just consume it every single day. They're just consuming it. And what happens to the animal, the beast of burden? They grow. They get strong. Look at an ox. He just eats, right? That's all he does. Eat like an ox. You ever hear that? You know, you just grow. You become strong if you're involved in just diving into the word. And so the mature person lacks nothing. They can be self-sufficient. If for some reason God takes them out of one local church and he's going to put them in another one, he's going to be just fine. She's going to be okay. They're not going to be shaken in their faith like what's going on. You know, if the pastor goes away for one day, uh, the church is not going to go, he should be here what what's going is he okay you know and all of a sudden the sheep's ears go up and oh what's going no he's gonna be just fine you know everything is going to work out okay for the mature believer and so we want to make sure we're always striving for this level of maturity where we do not fear where we avoid wickedness and evil where there is the fruit of salvation it is evident in the lives of the individual who is mature and there are a couple of scriptures to help illustrate, illustrate these truths. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, 
But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. It never fails to bear fruit. And Psalm 1-1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whether whatever he does prospers. Of course, this is a metaphor here. Who is the tree? It's a mature believer. And what about being planted by the streams of water? What is the water? There's a couple of things that could be. It's either the word of God or the Holy Spirit. I happen to think it's both. If you have the word of God and you have the Holy Spirit, your roots are going to sink deep. And this is why I have always said in any church that anybody would ever attend, my encouragement is sink your roots deep. Get them in there. Yeah, there are certain trees which are problem trees. One is a willow, a weeping willow. The other one is a mulberry. Now, if you go right across the street over here, there are a couple of mulberries. If you see those mulberries, those roots can be more numerous than everything that is above ground. You can, and they will find their way to sewers, just like willow trees will. They will actually seek them out. And they will go, where is a sewer line? I need to cause somebody a trial. You know, and they will go right for that sewer line. They are firmly established. If anybody ever wants to pull out a tree, do not try to pull out a willow or a mulberry tree. You will be fighting against that thing forever. And the roots on that thing just go everywhere. You dig somewhere in the garden and all of a sudden there's more roots. And I'm 50 feet away. And these roots just go out. That's how we're supposed to be in the, in the church. If somebody comes to church and says, oh, you are my next victim. It is the enemy who's coming in there. I'm going to rip this person out. Go ahead, just try. You're just going to be pulling. That person's going to go nowhere because they're established in their faith. They have sunk their roots deep. They are in fellowship. They are in the word. They are in prayer. They have devoted their lives to Jesus Christ. And that's the way it works. And it doesn't matter which church. Pick a church, like for instance, we want everybody to be deeply rooted here in this church. Just sink your roots deep so nobody can just pull you up. When you hear something, go, oh, I never, I'm out of here. It, you don't do that. You're just stable. You just say, okay, everything is going to be just fine. That's a sign of maturity. And by the way, when people, they get upset or something and they just leave, they're not firmly established. If the Lord tells somebody to leave in the midst of the storm, if they think that, they're mistaken. The Lord will never remove somebody in the midst of a storm because that storm is usually provided if we persevere, it's to provided to strengthen us. When a tree battles against the wind, what does it do? It sends roots deeper to be able to battle against the wind. If a tree has no hardship, if it has an overabundance of water and fertilizer, it doesn't need to send its roots out very far. And therefore, when a major storm comes, storm, what happens? The tree goes over. And so when the drought comes, what does the tree do? I got to sink my roots deeper to find more water. And you become firmly established. You see how that works? And that's why God chose 
trees to illustrate a mature believer. Now, we have so much available to us as believers as far as being mature. The resources we have on my computer here, the omniscient Google is there. I can look up anything concerning Jesus Christ, concerning God, the Bible, life, spirituality. I can look it all up. And if I'm not online or on Wi-Fi, I can look up any scripture. I have a Bible program on there. I can just go through it. I can have it read to me. I don't even have to do anything. I can just absorb it by osmosis. I have that on my phone. I have Audible on my phone, and I just listen to the scriptures on my phone. And, you know, I was listening to some stuff in Ezekiel the other day, and I was just blown away. I can't believe God said that. You know, you'll have to ask me what that is later. But it is just unbelievable to me the amount of resources that we have and yet we take no advantage of them we don't go to them and just grab hold of them and make them ours i'm going to give you an example i just received a copy of this email it was sent to me from pastor drew mcintyre calvary chapel alpine it deals with pastor david who is in uganda that we worked with going to the different villages especially up in kotito and Kabwen, where we ministered to the people there gave them the gospel and handed out the medications and the glasses he is pastor or excuse me pastor david he is doing some ibs inductive bible study uh, Stage one, he's gone through it several times with Jew, and now he's teaching it himself. And he went up to this one area, and this is what he writes. He says, to my beloved brother in Christ, I hope that things are going well. I'm very happy to inform you about pastor's training in Cotito. It was very good because the pastors have heart of learning. The number was 21, but 10 of them cannot read. 21 pastors and 10 cannot read or can they write and they're pastoring churches and they have no access to anything but a bible and we have this treasure trove and these people i just got to serve jesus christ now with that it's good that they're doing training because without the training there can be a lot of error and there is a lot of error not only in the the churches in the united states but in places like Africa, there's a lot of error. And so there's going to continue. Uh, Pastor David here has been invited to teach a 100 pastors over there, and they all need the word of God. But there is a drought of the word of God over there and the resources that are available to them. And so we want to make sure that we are not neglecting those things which are available to us. Now, Hebrews, before we go any farther, let's back up in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, and let's read that. Chapter 5 and verse 12. In in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Now, keep in mind that this letter is written to the Jews who have become Christians. They had grown up under the Mosaic Covenant, the Mosaic Law, 
and they should have been familiar with the theology and practices of the Old Testament, but apparently they weren't. But this was their whole life. For a Jew who was living in Jerusalem or in Israel, they should have known just the basics of the faith. And when the author of Hebrews is explaining to them the things that he explains, like we go on to the next few chapters, you have Melchizedek, you have the blood of the covenant, you have the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. They should have been familiar with all of that. And so we want to make sure that we are judging ourselves in light of this, that if we don't know these things, we take measures to ensure that we are on our way to maturity. Now, last week I used the phrase milk, meat, and the street. Those three things, and I'm going to explain what those are. What is milk? Those things that are listed that we just read in the book of Hebrews are the milk. Repentance, like what is repentance? Everybody who would be saved must repent. There is no salvation without repentance. And repentance is a change of heart, a change of mind, and a change of action. A change of heart is where we are sorry for our sins. That we say, you know, God, I have sinned against you. And it can actually cause us to weep as a result. Secondly, our mind needs to change. Our intellect, those things which we think are okay, God says are not okay, We need to change our mind into what God says is okay and say, that is what I'm going to hold to now. I cannot tell you over the years the number of times I have heard people say, yeah, but I don't believe that. That's not the statement that should be made. The statement that should be made, is it right? Is that what God wants us to believe? We're to transform our minds from what we think is okay and is not over to what God says is okay. And then we have to have a change of action, which means our works need to change. Those things that we formerly did need to change. Those involvements in the world need to die, and we need to flip it over into what God wants us to do. He has told us exactly what he wants us to do, In this life. So we have repentance. We have sin. How is sin defined? What are the acts that lead to death? For instance, what is the unforgivable sin? If we don't know these things, we're not fully mature. What about faith? What is faith exactly? Scripture says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And to understand what that phrase is, you know, it takes a little bit of effort. What about baptisms? How many are there? Eight, nine baptisms? What are they? Which baptisms are for me? Which baptisms were for other people? What about the laying on of hands? Come here, I lay hands on you. Come on, man. Is that what it means? Or does it mean placing hands on people, ordination for ministry, giving of spiritual gifts? Well, how does that take place? If somebody doesn't know that, They have not arrived to a place of maturity. What about the resurrection? How many resurrections are there? Do we know how many resurrections there are? Two. There's two resurrections. If you don't know which ones they are, well, probably not mature in their faith. Which ones are we wanting to be involved? Which one do we want to be involved in? Which one do we want to avoid? You know, (laughs) These are all great questions, but they are the basic questions of the Christian faith. Well, what about eternal judgment? Will God judge us? Have we passed from judgment unto life because of God's mercy, or will he make us give an account for every idle word we have spoken? Which is it? 
And we're going to be called before the judge. What's he going to say to us? What are we going to have to do? Are we going to recite anything? I'm not saying anything, man. If he asks us a question, you will answer, right? He's the God of the universe. You're not going to sit there dumb and not speak. You're going to speak if Jesus Christ says, speak. You will speak, right? He is God. He made us. We're going to go back to him. And so all of these things, well, what what do I need to know about this? This is the basic information of the Christian faith. Now, what is meat? I just gave you the milk, and there's probably a few more things that are milk. I want you to buckle your seatbelt. This is meat, and this is not an exhaustive list. Paterology, Christology, pneumatology, bibliology, soteriology, ecclesiology, eschatology, angelology, demonology, Christian anthropology, harmodiology, missiology, dispensationalism, covenant theology, reformed theology, creation, evolution, neo-orthodox theology, the emergent church, the Toronto blessing, slain in the spirit, tongues, prophecy, healing, help, spiritual gifts in general, church attendance, the prosperity doctrine, prayer, justice, mercy, grace, being demonized, purgatory, self-esteem, what is an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, and their roles inside the church, patriarchy, matriarchy, the poor, widows, and orphans, elders, and deacons, and deaconesses, church discipline, false doctrine, the rapture, the millennial, or the millennium, Hades, hell, Sheol, lake of fire, the new Jerusalem, bankruptcy, lawsuits, laziness, humility, kindness, patience, perseverance, compassion, taxes. How many people will eventually get saved? Is hell the punishment forever? Is hell a punishment and punishment forever? Or in other words, is there a doctrine of the total annihilation? Apostasy. Will the wicked dead be remembered in heaven? What happened when Jesus, or what will happen when Jesus comes back? What are the signs that he will return? Why is there so much suffering, polyamory, transgenderism, cloning, homosexuality, gay marriage, medical marijuana, alcohol, smoking, reincarnation, Islam, guns, women, pastors, Republicans, Democrats, Bernie Sanders, Hillary, Trump, euthanasia, war, taking of an oath, divorce, marriage and remarriage, adultery, sex before marriage, spanking your children, UFOs, preppers, movies, plays, dancing and wearing of hats in church by men, men having long hair and being loud in the morning. That's just a small list. Now, if you can expand on each one of those, you are mature. If you cannot give a reason, like for instance, cloning. Maybe you're going, I've never considered cloning. Do you know cloning is coming like a freight train, like a bullet train? And you know this molding together of technology and the mind, is it moral? You know, there are are movies that are produced all the time. I see the trailers. I love watching trailers. And these trailers are, there's chips right here. And then there's wires going down and they're going on the inside. You know, right now, the uh, ocular implants, that's a molding of technology. Somebody who is deaf that they can actually hear. Well, imagine if your brain power could be enhanced where your brain becomes a supercomputer. Would you do it? What if... They could reverse aging in your cells. Would you do it? See, all these questions, and this, the next generation is going to be faced with this. Years ago, I talked about Ray Kurzweil and his book, Fantastic Voyage. It says, live long enough to live forever. I I talked about that a little bit. And he said, within the next hundred years, people will gain the technology to live a thousand. 
And then once they live a thousand, they will be able to live forever. And I cannot tell you, I keep on uh, sending to myself articles on living forever. And they are everywhere out there. They are trying to stop death completely. Do you think God will let that happen? He will not let that happen in the current state in which we reside. And so all of these things, they are coming at us so fast. And we need to be able to give an answer to that. Like medical marijuana. Should we allow it? Should we not allow it? Is it good? Is it not good? And we know that the lobby for this, and I don't know if you know this or not, they just wanted to make it legal to have a recreational drug. That's why it was all being pushed. That's the reason. And they put it under this guise of, it's to help sick people. Well, sick people are taking it. You know, it makes them sick. I mean, and, you know, I I can remember way back, I don't want to go too far down this road, way back, the potency of pot back in the 70s and 80s is not anything compared to what it is today. And we are producing a nation of zombies. Just go to Colorado, all the problems that they're having in Colorado with that. And so this is one of those things, or these are some of those things that would give you a hint. Am I mature in my faith? Am I not mature in my faith? And like I said, that list I just gave you is small. It's a very small list. God has answers, either direct scriptures for these things or principles which guide it in scripture. And if we know where those are, or with, if we're familiar with God's teaching on this, we will not be shaken when something new comes along. Just imagine a UFO lands. I mean, the possibility of that happening. Everybody wants there to be a UFO, right? I once wanted to be picked up by one. I would be picked up by UFO. I would go, you know, just crazy, stupid thinking. But this idea, well, what if one comes? Will it shake you in your faith? Well, I don't know. There's life on other planets. What about the fallen? Oh, you're not going to have to be shaken. What do they find life on another planet? Even amoeba. See, it's proof. There's life. Well, what does that mean? Nothing. It means nothing. God is still God. He's still on the throne. And there may be life elsewhere. And see, all these subjects, we need to just wrap up in a, bio, in a bundle. And if we're mature, we just go, eh. What's the favorite phrase out there now? It's a nothing burger, right? It, it's not anything that we have to worry about. We can be completely satisfied in Jesus Christ and in our faith. Now, it is not necessary to be a scholar in any one of these areas. But the more we mature, the more we know about these subjects. And this information will not only be helpful to us in building up our own spiritual walks, but it will also be helpful for others who are seeking answers to these questions. And we're supposed to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that lies within an answer to all who ask. And so the importance of knowing these subjects are listed in a couple of scriptures. Isaiah 28 verse 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Which means you, little by little, you take of the word of God and you implant it in your own mind and heart. First Timothy 4.16 says, watch your life and doctrine closely, persevere in them, because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers as well. And so we want to make sure we have this stuff down. So what is the street? I have four minutes here. The meat 
or the milk, the meat, and the street. The street is VBS, Operation Christmas Child, Christmas on the Main, Pregnancy Care Center, Cambodia, Africa, Helping the Poor, Lakeside Help Center, we participate in that, widows and orphans, uh, prisons, writing to prisoners or going to visit, ushering, cleaning ministry, giving of money, end of time, Sunday school, evangelizing, teaching, praying, studying, not only to grow, but to help others. I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. It was J. Vernon McGee who popularized that, if you remember who he was. You know, it's where the rubber meets the road. You're actually putting shoe leather to your faith. Now, James chapter 2 Verse 14, this idea of gaining the knowledge and gaining the works, the two go hand in hand. James 2.14, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? I'm sure you are all familiar with this. I'm just reminding you of it. Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Now, I have an example. When I went to school to learn about plants and landscaping and construction and horticulture and all of that, we would have these labs, and we would learn, you know, pest control and all these different things. And we'd have to go out and actually put shoe leather to what we learned. They wouldn't allow us just to learn it. We actually had to go out there and fit pipe together and cut bushes the right way and get on a backhoe and move the backhoe and drive a tractor and just all of those things. We did all of those things. We constructed pergolas and we, we did all that kind of work. But there was one guy He knew everything. You could ask him any question about any insect, about any poison, about any flow rate in a three-quarter inch PVC pipe schedule 40. He'd say it's 14 gallons per minute, maximum is seven feet per second. You know, he would just have that stuff down. He would know it like no other, but put a hammer in his hand. Oh, no, give me a rash. I can't have that. He would not pull a weed, pick up a piece of equipment, a shovel. He would do nothing. What do you think everybody else thought about that guy? Go ahead. What do you think they thought? You lazy bum. I mean, that, I would hear that. You lazy bum. Just get out there and do some of that. Why do you think you, think you just gained the knowledge? That's like faith without works. He knew everything. He was established, but he had absolutely no works. And the rest of the people that were in the classes, they would just go, ah, he's worthless. He's absolutely worthless. That's what it says in James. Faith without deeds is worthless. Now going on with this, I have two minutes. Scriptures repeat with passages letting us know that we should acquire knowledge and be rich in good deeds but we must also keep in mind that gaining only knowledge will serve only to puff us up with pride and zeal without knowledge is not good. So if you have all the works and you have no knowledge, it's not good. If you have all the knowledge and not the works, it's not good. And with all of this, we want to make sure we remember Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. 
Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. If we do this and we do not have love, as Corinthians says in chapter 13, we are only a clanging cymbal, a resounding gong. That is it, absolutely worthless. Now, if you feel you are an infant and you haven't arrived, it's not a time for condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. A little child who refuses to come along, right, that just says, no, I'm not going to do it, and drops to the, the ground. And what do you do as a parent? You just pick him up and you say, come on, we're going. And they're kicking and screaming, and eventually they're going to go, okay, I get to go. And you can give them reward. You can give them a sucker, a piece of candy, whatever, and they'll, they'll come along. There always has to be some type of reward for the effort that's put forth. But we don't want to take the kids and beat them for no reason. I mean, they're kids, right? They're, spiritually speaking, they're children. They need help. Come along. Now, the only thing the child has to do in this church for men is show up Thursday. That's it. Just show up Thursday and we'll cover these things. And for those of you who are mature, God bless you. There is a special blessing waiting for you in heaven. God has accredited to your account in heaven. You're going to have this gold, silver, and precious stones, just mounds of it up there. And God is going to be blessed by you and he will bless you for your efforts. And so that's the encouragement this morning. If you feel you're an infant, well, come on. Come Thursday. If you're a woman and you feel you're an infant, talk to Patty or Sandy or Cheryl or, you know, any of the women who are teaching here, Sarah, any of them, they will help bring you along and mature in your faith. But that's the goal. God wants us to mature. My prayer for you is that you can be submissive to the Holy Spirit who is prompting all of us in here either to continue or to grow in our faith. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks. You are so good to provide for us instruction and where we live and the time in which we live, the resources that are available to know more about you, they are just everywhere. They are ubiquitous. Lord, help us to take advantage of these things. Help us to be gentle with those who are learning. Help us to encourage those who have matured. But Father, use us all for the furtherance of your kingdom. And with your help, we will accomplish this by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, and the church said...